Hello and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, Pingdom, and Flatiron School. I'm Simone de Rochefort, a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. <laughs> what up? Hey, I believe Christina is either in Orlando or Paris right now, which is nuts. <laughs> She can go F herself. Frankly. Yeah. And we're going to have to cover so much big stuff without her. Uh, Not least of which will be the retraction and apology (laughs) that we will be issuing to our listeners briefly. Uh, But after that, we'll be talking about lasers and home security, as we often do. And then it's a uh, a brief, no, not brief. A lengthy segment of Scamtown for y'all. Scam this Town. time, it's about Airbnb, a tech company. I love Scamtown. Scamtown rules. It will not be the same without Christina, but that's what she gets for having a career that makes her travel the world. <laughs> uh, when is she back, by the way? It's not next week, but the week after? The week after that, yeah. Oh, we're so low. Oh, yeah, because we're having the hard drive guys on next week. We are. Heck I'm yeah, we're going to party without her. We don't. We need her. We do need her. We need her, her, but but we will survive. Like, emotionally, I feel fine. (laughs) You don't need Christina? No. You're you're fine. You're fine, Simone. (laughs) I I need to, before we get into it, I need to just air my grievances. I feel like all of the technology has been so against me today. Not least of which, I... I will be the first person to say security is so, so important. I love to be secure. However, (laughs) the IT rules at our company have become so locked down that today I opened Creative Cloud, Adobe Creative Cloud, a program that where I control all of the apps that I use every day, the certified Adobe apps, such as Premiere and Audition and After Effects. I logged in and it was like, you can't see your apps. You don't have permissions for oh. that. Like the whole screen, you know, where you open Creative Cloud and it's like, you, you here's your version of Premiere. Do you want to update it? Do you want to open it? And like, <laughs> yeah, that's not the only way to open the app. I don't open the freaking app from there. But guess what? I do look at that to see if I need to update my freaking app. And I'm not going to have someone from IT come up to my floor to type a password in on my machine that I use every freaking day to that's update right. the program that I also use every freaking day <laughs> that is published by Adobe. That yeah. It, it's literally, it, I was, I was, I the the phrase seeing red was exactly <laughs> like me in that moment of facing this screen and not even being able to see what apps i had installed through the program that i used to install those freaking apps i was furious i continue to be furious <laughs> <laughs> i understand it's for my own safety so i'm not a i'm not a video like superstar like you but is it possible that not having access to premiere could slow down your ability to make videos is that possible it's interesting that you should bring that up <laughs> um and of course it's not like updating the creative cloud suite would help me stay secure or like help my programs be able to work with each other and all stay on the same version. Yeah. Um, it's not like that at all. Oh. So moving on. Wow. Good it's luck. It's your Good turn luck. to, to hey, vent. Let's talk about, as long as we're getting all the funky juju out, we have to completely do an about face. We got an uh, entire You have topic. to do an about face. Okay. <laughs> I, Brianna Wu, spent an hour last night with you dear last week with you dear rocket listeners telling lies to you blatant lies i lied i was wrong and we just need to we need to clear the air so this this whole thing can move forward so yes uh do you want to set this up simone i do last week on the show we talked about the newly released slate of apple tv shows such as for all mankind Dickinson and The Morning Show. On that program, we talked about reviews of The Morning Show and how people had found it mediocre. And uh, the other shows, with the exception of For All Mankind, somewhat mediocre as well. Although I did I did hold out for the fact that Dickinson would actually be extremely my <laughs> sh- <laughs> timestamp. <laughs> However, after 
accessing their Apple TV account, Apple TV Plus accounts, and watching the morning show, Brianna Wu and Christina Warren would like to issue an apology and a retraction to Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> to Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> to all the creative minds involved in the production of the morning show. As uh, they said in sl- in WhatsApp, I believe, uh, yep. it rules. <laughs> it's unbelievably good. Um, this I have to is... find the messages that you sent me. The crow-eating messages, but go on. No. Uh, so, obviously, last week, we we said some things. We were like, you know, I was worried the Apple TV shows wouldn't take a point of view. These reviews seem to bear that out. The reviews are flat-out wrong, especially with Morning Show. Um, it's worth saying if you, I think Rotten Tomatoes is not a great metric of things, but if you compare the audience reactions versus the critic reactions, um, this is, it, there's just a huge gulf between it. I love this. Christina loves it. Dan Morin loves it. Renee Ritchie loves say, it. I will say, Christina yeah. did say, she did not say it was good. She said, I hate myself, but I love it. Really? I think it's really good. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. <laughs> so, sorry. So, so I everybody says it's like um so just to give listeners a little bit of background, the morning show is ostensibly it's about the um the the today show and uh Matt Lauer and the whole changeover there uh in the the kind of Game of Thrones stuff behind the scenes. Uh this is a alternate reality version of the the Today Show, where Steve Carell uh, plays a Matt Lauer character who is fired for sexual misconduct. Jennifer Aniston plays a, um, a host, a female host that's been there for 15 years that the network wants to push out the door. Uh, and uh, Reese Witherspoon plays this kind of feisty, conservative um, upstart journalist um, that uh, is kind of fired at every single institution she goes to, kind of like a Megyn Kelly character. Um, this show, I think it's 10 out of 10. I I like the characters, and I know I shouldn't say this on this show, considering both of you work in media. I don't like Succession that much. <gasps> I hate everyone on Succession. I can tell it's a good show, but I don't look forward to the episodes that much. To me, this is a much more interesting show about media, if that makes it's sense. It's funny that you should say that because Christina literally said, Succession, this isn't in her uh, <laughs> descriptions right? of it. However, yeah. I do have some support for you. Stephen yeah. King said he loves The Morning Show, despite scathing reviews. So you're in good company. <laughs> what do you think? That's good. I mean, what do you, what position do you think it takes on um, Steve Carell's character? So I know it's gotten uh, some critique for being um, too easy on the men. And I, I think you can see that Steve Carell's character is really in denial about what he did uh, to justify getting fired there. Um, but I find that like nuance and lack of introspection interesting and realistic um, so I, it's, yeah, it's, it's, he's kind of, he doesn't admit any wrong and the network doesn't really like the producer of the show also kind of has his back on this. He doesn't want to pick sides, but to me, this is a, a fiercely feminist show. It's got some really great feminist themes because you've got Jennifer Aniston. She's got this great speech in one scene where she's like, you all, she's talking to a bunch of men at a television uh, producer's conference table where she's getting called to task. And she's like, you all are just so convinced that you have all the power. You don't even ask who's in the driver's seat. And the truth is, I bring in the ads for this network. I have the power and I feel like I should have a voice here. And I, I just found that to be a really powerful moment. I'm not a Jennifer Aniston fan generally. I just think her... Her comedy is kind of one note, but I think she's a fairly substantive character here. Is hers the one that resonates most with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, Reese Witherspoon, I think it's interesting because they're they're trying to portray her as a conservative and are carefully avoiding all of the 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 
the baggage or antagonistic attitudes that generally come along with that side of the aisles television mm-hmm. programming. So it seems like a very careful tap dance. But um, overall, it's just a great show. Uh, for All Mankind, I've only seen three episodes of it so far, but it's uh it's a it's a dick flick. <laughs> like it's it's there are no women in this show, even a little. I thought there's a whole episode about there being a lot of women. Well, for the ones I've seen, uh, eventually they, uh, as I understand, the Mercury Twelve, there are women astronauts that come to be main characters on the show. I'm not that deep into it yet, but gotcha. uh, yeah, my understanding I've, was there's a whole episode about like training up the female team of astronauts to well do it all, Lady Rocket. To the moon. I hope that I like that Lady Rocket to the Moon. Um, and that's our yeah. show. Uh, regarding <laughs> briefly returning to Morning Show, I think yep. the criticism that resonated the most with me was that to the character the character Reese Witherspoon is playing, who's like an upstart who goes viral because of a hot take that she had at a protest. Yep, and how she's being then brought into the network as like this feisty new blood. It does not make i think narrative sense and i agree with this that she is a uh like jennifer aniston's character a middle-aged white woman yep that that's not really the age group that uh, or racial makeup that a, a a feisty upstart brought into the network to shake things up would be necessarily yep um especially out there like making commentary at protests and right uh, being well, involved talk in about that vigilante journalism how she's ping-ponged around her whole career. I didn't find um, that bother bothersome at all. I agree. The the twist she takes at the network kind of defies um, belief, but I'm willing to go with it. I mean, you know, like there's an episode of Succession where they're all in therapy together and the media is covering it. And I'm like, this is stupid. Like, you know, God, it's that episode's conce- so good. You think so? Really? I mean, what I love about Succession is that with every scene those characters go into, you can see the dynamics of power playing off each other without those conversations being spoken aloud, just in like the ways the actors are behaving together and the ways they defer to each other. And I just think that that scene where they're all in therapy and all the kids and their horrible, abusive dad are just sitting there silently and nobody wants to say anything because they (laughs) can't say anything in front of their dad is so... There's just so much tension threaded through that scene. Um, And I absolutely... And the whole show is like... Every scene of that show is like that. And I just love that. But I hate all the characters, all of them. Like, that doesn't uh. matter to me. <laughs> I, but their oh interactions are so juicy. Yeah. All right. No, it's it's got some moments. I agree with that. We just um, got great news um, from Christina. She says they're about to. Or she says that she's on her way back to her hotel. She's going to record a voice memo for us about um, Apple TV Plus. So. I'm going to have that inserted into the episode so that you listeners can hear Christina's very own retraction. Hello, Rocket listeners. This is Christina coming to you from my hotel room in Orlando. I am at a Marriott vacation rental, which is still the best life hack ever. My place, my hotel room, which is very inexpensive, is bigger than my apartment. It's great. So I wish that I could be on the show tonight with Brie and Simone. But since I can't, I have three things that I want to share with you. First and foremost, I ran into a Rocket listener at Microsoft Ignite. And it was, I'm not joking, one of the highlights of my entire show. And to that listener, I wish that the bar had been open so I could have at least procured you a free drink. Uh, And if you do see me later on, please know that a drink are on me um, that thank you for coming up to me and and thank you for listening to the show that was awesome number two uh, I am recording this with my airpods pros or however uh, we're we're doing the, the naming here because that's a little weird uh, so I apologize that the audio quality is not what you've come to expect but hopefully it's okay I know that it's good for phone calls I don't know what it's like for audio recording which is one of the reasons why I'm doing this. I have to say my TLDR review is that they're really freaking good. Uh, The noise canceling is awesome. The audio quality is really good. I will say the the noise canceling is one of those things where if you're on an airplane, your Bose 
QCs, your quiet comforts, uh, or your Sony's um, over ears, those are going to be better. Like if you're going on a flight and you want noise canceling, AirPods Pros are not going to be good enough for that situation. The the high pitched uh, noises coming from children, whether it's it's screaming and laughter or joy, are no match for uh, the A and C on the AirPods. Rather, are no match for for that noise. That said, in almost every other instance I've used them in, it's been fantastic. Uh, walking through the convention center here in Orlando, I've had them in sometimes without even having music playing, and the noise has just disappeared. It's been really, really great. So I'm a big fan of the new AirPods Pros. Uh, and then finally, the reason that I'm recording this segment, the reason that Simone uh, wanted me to do this is I needed to give you, the listeners, my thoughts on the morning show. And uh, and listeners, I regret to inform you that the morning show is good, or at least I really like it. Like it is, I said this on Twitter and I'll reiterate it again. It is extremely my sh- And that really frustrates me because here's the thing the acting is great. And I don't think any one of us had any doubts that the acting would be good. The acting is great. The show, if I'm really being objective about it is it's okay. It's not great, but it's certainly not like, you know, it's, it's, it's not some great like tier one television, right? Having said all that, uh, I really like it. Part of it might just be that I'm, I'm a big fan of all of Aaron Sorkin's shows about television the two shows he wrote about Keith Olbermann, uh, Sports Night and The Newsroom, I loved. I also was a fan of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And other than Sports Night, which is by all like accounts, it is objectively a good show. Neither The Newsroom nor Studio 60 were good shows, but I really liked them. And I, I like shows about television. And that's kind of how I feel about the morning show. I like it, even though I can already see some problematic elements, especially with how they treat uh, the the Steve Carell character, Mitch. It it's I I if I'm objective about it, I know this isn't great television, but I really like it. And when I was watching, I binge watched all three episodes on Friday night, a few hours before I had to get up for my super early like six a.m. flight on Saturday, and. It, it struck me for a couple of reasons. One, instead of sleeping, I was watching the morning show. And two, when the third episode ended, I was so, so, so mad that I couldn't continue to watch more episodes. So I'm going to be watching for the rest of the season and the next season too. And I'm also probably going to be having to defend this on Twitter when the numerous numbers of hot takes about the show come out criticizing it for not being accurate to the media industry or this or that. I do have to say my own limited experience in morning television. I've never obviously been a host, but I have been a guest. It, it seems it matches the things that I've heard and the things that I've seen. So uh, I like it. I hate myself for liking it, but I like it. One final thought. Uh, I mentioned this last week about the fact that the Apple TV Plus app is now available on Roku, as well as the Fire TV Stick and, I guess, some Samsung TVs. Uh, This is the first time that I've used my Fire TV Stick 4K that I got for $25 on Prime Day on a trip. And uh, listeners, let me just say, one of my better purchases. I know that a lot of people, aka Simone, are not comfortable with having Amazon stuff in their house. Totally get it. Totally respect it. Roku might be a good option, but in my case, I'm actually really liking this device, and it was a, it's been a really good way for me on the road to be able to watch my iTunes and Apple TV Plus content, and also have access to the broader ecosystem of apps. So, if uh, especially for people who travel, this is a much better choice than an Apple TV because it actually lets you log into captive uh, Wi-Fi scenarios, which the Apple TV does not let you do. So. Uh, just throwing that out there as a suggestion for travelers is the Fire TV Stick 4K. It's real good. It's real good. And it's a good way to watch the Apple TV Plus content as well. I love and miss you all. And I will see you in uh, another two weeks. Or you'll hear me rather in another two weeks. Bye. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just one last thing before we move off this topic. Um, I went and saw Terminator Dark Fate not once, but twice this weekend. Nice. Um, I think it's extremely good. And not to spoil anything, but um, this is a film where John Connor is the future leader of the world is not the way the plot goes. 
And there's been a really big backlash online from people that feel this was disrespectful to the Terminator legacy, blah, blah, blah. And to me, I, I have to be honest with you, Simone, I kind of interpret it as these are people that are frustrated seeing um, a woman, uh, actually three women, take over the Terminator franchise. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but be thinking about that when thinking about the different um, the difference in the reviews of how I perceive this and how a lot of the reviewers, which happen to be men, uh, perceive this because to me the morning show is it's it's not an easy conversation about the Me Too movement. It's not mm-hmm. there aren't clear villains and, and heroes. There's not a clear statement they're trying to make. They're reveling in all that complexity. But it, this is absolutely about women that have been really pushed over to the side and not taken seriously. And I think that gender dynamic is a bit of why um, I'm experiencing the show a little differently, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely appreciate that. I think, I mean, we had Karen Hahn review it, and she did not particularly love it. So that's definitely not a universal experience. But I do appreciate that that clearly colors your experience uh, with the show. Yeah. Like who the show is for and who it's speaking about and to. Yep. Um, hey, folks, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Or maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. Just exactly all of those many things. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't got to worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I very much enjoy uh, working with Squarespace. I did find it very fun to create my little website and to change it and to to mess with the fonts. They have so many good fonts. I don't think I've talked about this before. They have a lot of fonts that rule. They have plenty of serif options. They have plenty of sans serif options. Um, And they all look like clean and nice and make me feel professional. So I had a lot of fun with that. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for rocket. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket and the code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next <laughs> a website. So on this week's episode of Rockets, uh, we're doing we're kind of doing a reverse episode. We usually do two more serious tech-focused topics and then a dessert. As you can see this week, we've kind of switched things up a bit and started with TV criticism. And uh, now we're moving on to lasers. So <laughs> this is a story. This is a really interesting story, and you found this. It super is, and it has implications. This is a story that came out in Wired this week about a group of researchers who realized that they can use lasers ranging from 60 milliwatt lasers that are powerful and cool to regular five milliwatt lasers that you would find in a cheap laser pointer to actually manipulate uh, speaker devices such as Amazon Echo speakers, Google Homes, Facebook Portal, and even Android and iPhone phones, (laughs) smartphones. Um, Although there are some layers of difficulty to that that we'll get into later. But the basic gist of it is that they realized they could point the lasers um, at the speakers and the, the speakers, for some reason, they don't quite know why yet, would interpret the light input and the changes in frequency, like the the laser blinking on and off, or even the laser increasing and decreasing in intensity, they would interpret that as sound. And so a Google Home, maybe with a laser pointed at it, speaking, quote unquote, in a certain frequency, would 
turn off the lights because it thought it was being told to. Or, for example, um, a smart speaker might open a door because it thinks it's being told to. So this obviously opens up a lot of uh, doors, metaphorically and literally, uh, about security, which I'm sure we'll get into. But, uh, man, what a what an interesting experiment. Yeah, um, I mean, interesting and terrifying. Totally at the same time. Um, I mean, I have to admit, my uh, HomePod, I shouldn't admit this, probably my HomePod is set up to uh, work with a lot of my uh, door locks are also in HomeKit. Um, you know, if I remember correctly in this article, HomePod was not one of the devices they tested this with. It was Echo, but all the same, um, this is, uh, it's very concerning. And the thing that is most concerning about this is um, it will go straight through glass. So imagine someone outside your house aiming a laser at uh, the speaker it will just go straight through the glass and you will never hear anything when it's issuing these commands. So mm-hmm. um, a very, very troubling uh, security concern. Yeah, they found, uh, they tested 16 different smart speakers um, and found that almost all of them registered commands with a 60 milliwatt laser from 164 feet away, which is the max difference distance they tested. Um, with smartphones, things were a little better. It did still work, um, but with the iPhone, they had to be 33 feet away and Android two with two Android phones that they tested. I don't believe it says which two um, they had to be. They could only be controlled from within 16 feet. So, hey, Android's doing something right on security. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I think. Uh, <sighs> but this what? is really but what are they doing? Because, again, we don't know. We don't know why this works. It's it's just a you know it's just a complete coincidence. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. It's vibrating the microphone in some way, and it's it's triggering it. So, um, I I I it's it's hard because I use Siri all the time, and it is a very convenient thing. And there are accessibility things to consider here too. I do think that we want voice uh, voice accessibility of information on our smartphones. I do think that's good, but this is a, this is a very serious concern here. And mm-hmm. I think it uh, maybe there's not a great reason to have your locks tied to your smart speaker <laughs> in your home. Maybe leave that uh, on your phone after you have to go through the screen with the thumbprint sensor or the face ID. Or, and I, I think there are even simpler, more analog ways to subvert this, such as... Um, keeping well i guess you can't be expected to have your shades down all the time but keeping uh the devices away from windows and stuff um which, but I, oh. yeah it is such a pain in the butt yeah let me just rearrange my home uh why don't you go ahead and sure. do that i wonder yeah. if there's a kind of glass imagine all our homes with like one-way glass on them oh um God. horrifying so google says that they are looking into this amazon looking into it uh, Apple and Facebook have not commented yet. Um, but like as you pointed out, there there are some devices that do offer um, additional protections, such as like Touch ID and Face ID um, yeah. for the iPhone and iPad. So that would be a way that people could put a barrier between um, somebody activating their phone with a laser. Although, with, honestly, with, with the iPhone, I can't imagine that scenario. Where is it? Where's the phone? <laughs> Where <laughs> yep. are they? Are they in the ceiling? Is the hacker in the ceiling with a laser? Because that's the only place that my phone is sitting. Because otherwise, it's in my pocket or it's in my freaking hand. Right, um, right. So yeah, try you know, to aim for that. Guess what? I, this is getting really serious. But uh, I read a book recently. It's called Dawn of the Code War by John P. Carlin, who was one of the um, he prosecuted cases with Robert Mueller at the FBI. And uh, in the aftermath of 9-11, people don't know this, Robert uh, Mueller worked very hard to up the nation's cybersecurity. And John P. Carlin was one of the uh, people working at the FBI that led the way. And uh, something, he quotes a speech Mueller gave very extensively, um, talking about how, you know, it's like, 
we moved into this digital part of our lives and we have this house built out of straw. And rather than securing the walls, we're shoving more and more stuff into the house. It's not just our music today. It's not just our emails. It's our financial records. It's access to our home. And we just keep putting more and more stuff in there. And you know, this is it's it's just the latest security vulnerability that we we've kind of introduced to our life without thinking about it. And that's really scary, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's kind of a case of like for me when I think about data and how many people have their data in the cloud in some way or um it's almost a case of as long as we're all doing it, there are so many people doing it that maybe someone else will be targeted and not me. I think that's kind yeah. of the, I think that's kind of all linked to what you just said about stuffing more things in the house. Like, yeah. well, it, it can't all collapse, right? We just have to keep <laughs> trying. We just have to keep putting things in there and seeing if it'll get fixed. Yep. So, yeah, scary story. Uh, We're screwed. <laughs> don't make enemies and don't keep your smart speakers near windows, such as in the home where but you live. But when I'm cooking Blue Apron, I need my HomePod in there to I listen to do. awesome podcasts. I know you do. Oh. Hey, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. That holiday shopping season, Boxing Day, and Black Friday are just around the corner. I'm going to be looking for some deals. What might I buy online? Okay, I know something I want to buy online. Um, Well, if I can find it. You know those pill removers? You know the things? You know, okay, folks, you've got clothes. <laughs> folks, you've got clothes. And you know when the clothes get the little balls on them because the, the fabric's balling up? Those are pills. And you know there's a tool that you hold in your hand and you turn it on and it's like an air fan and it just sucks the pills right off your clothes. So this is not an ad for that, but it is an ad for Pingdom. What is going on? I'm trying to describe something I might be looking for online, but I'm shopping online. There's little worse than a shopping cart fail or for the website to be suddenly unavailable when I'm finally committing to buying the pill remover that's going to make my clothes look nice again. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. Use transaction monitoring to get alerted when cart checkout forms and login pages fail because those are the parts of your site that are most important (laughs) do it before your customers and business are affected you can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of the outage go to pingdom.com slash really fm right now for a 14 day free trial with no credit card required and then when you sign up use the code rocket at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. That's again, pingdom, P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM and the code ROCKET. Thanks, Pingdom, for supporting this show and RelayFM. I just want you to be okay. (laughs) It will be once I find the pull remover. (laughs) Okay. I can't shop on Amazon anymore. It makes my life hard. (laughs) Truly, I'm the victim here. It's very sad. All right. Speaking of uh, victims, <laughs> actually, <laughs> yo, um, this great story uh, by Ali Conti in, oh in Vice caught my eye. Um, Ali Conti discovered a massive scam on Airbnb. So she was going on a trip to Chicago with friends. She was at the last minute bumped out of their Airbnb and told, oh, God, we're so sorry. We're cleaning. Uh, here's another better property. Go in there. Um, oh, promises, promises. Um, and they went to this new property and it was just like a flop house that was filthy and full of beds. And then the next day they were told, oh, they ha- we have new guests coming here. You got to go. Sorry. But the first property is still being cleaned. Oh, dear. Um, so they had to get a hotel and she did not receive a refund. Um, she did, I think she managed to receive a partial refund after going through Airbnb and this process felt so suspicious and strange to her. 
um, because the second property was so uh, dirty and it, it looked like it was completely misrepresented in the photos online and the address was wrong. So when she put in the initial address from Airbnb, the property just wasn't there. It was like in the back of a house on the street. So she started looking into it and she found basically a network of fake couples <gasps> with Airbnb accounts. So it'd be like, oh yeah, Becky and John manage this property. But Becky and John's property looks a lot like Kelsey and Steve's property. And all of these people are like maybe reviewing each other's properties, even though they're like staying in other people's properties in the same cities that they live and rent properties from. Very strange. So she started reaching out to other people who had gone through the same experience that she had and found, yeah, it was the exact same, being moved at the last minute to a different crappy property and then never getting a refund. And some people had lost like thousands of dollars because of yeah. Airbnb's both like cancellation fees that the renters control as well as Airbnb's general, um, the way that they make it difficult to get full refunds if you have... um if you have not completely canceled your your stay. So if somebody, if you arrive to a place and you're like, oh crap, the renter is telling me I have to go to a different property, uh, it, it can feel very unsafe to just cancel the whole thing rather than being like, okay, I'll just go to the new property, whatever you say. I need a place to stay. I'm in a strange city, sure. Um, so people were not canceling their orders and then, of course, not being able to get refunds uh, for it. And after publishing this story in Vice... Ali Conte was contacted by the FBI, <laughs> who was curious about the story and wanted to look into it. I mean, since then, there have been a lot of developments. But, Brianna, uh, I'm going to punt to you to get your initial reaction on this. So, there's a lot to pick apart here, Simone. Um, you know, what I think is the the biggest takeaway here is, you know, Airbnb is looking at an IPO next year, Right. And they built this company up by, and at this point, they have no system in place to go check to make sure that the properties you were staying at actually exist and are real. They have no system up for that whatsoever. And I think it is so telling that the FBI contacted the writer at Vice before Airbnb got back to the writer advice. Yep. Like, that's really, really bad. And I, the other thing that I thought was really telling from here, and I've had this experience on Airbnb, uh, where you're really, it talks about how people feel disincentivized from giving honest reviews about their experiences on Airbnb because if someone retaliates with a, a negative review right back at you, like maybe that's going to affect your future ability to stay in different places. So um, I guess my thought in reading this is it sure seems like Airbnb has prioritized profits to the point where it seems like it must be a very fertile ground for scammers. Yes, and I think that that is only reinforced for me by the response uh, which came today from Airbnb. So uh, after this story was published, Airbnb did not respond to it um, until today um, when, you know, post-FBI contacting the author and that becoming quite public. Um, Airbnb has made some changes. They have said that they are going to start the process of verifying the 7 million properties that are on Airbnb. That'll be completed by December 2020. So imagine, if you will, the horror of 7 million properties that may or may not, and you know, uh, most of them probably are fine. But again, this is not a one-off thing where one person got scammed. Multiple people have gotten scammed by multiple fake accounts um, and furthermore, it's just, fr it's frankly uh, kind of unbelievable to me that they've been in business for 10 years now, 11 years now, actually, and there was no system in place for verifying the safety or existence of the properties beyond what the, the owners of those properties put online. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, the thing that really gets me here is it's a simple, stupid scam, right? Like you've got someone that has a building and they're reviewing their, themselves with other accounts 
And they're going through and setting all of this up. And they're making fake pictures from other places and and bringing them to all these properties. And it doesn't match the listing. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it's a really obvious scam. So and, t- oh. Yeah. I was just going to say, the timing of this to me, after this whole article has come out, after the FBI has contacted the author, now they're saying, oh, yeah, we can and should verify our 7 million properties. That, to me, the timing of that just reeks of, we knew there was a problem. We didn't want to deal with it or believed that we couldn't deal with it. And now we're in trouble. Now we have to deal with it. Right. I guess, I mean, Simone, do you use Airbnb when you travel? I have, and probably as uh, as the people in this article said, will continue to do so because I am problematic. <laughs> I guess for me, and maybe some of this is privilege, I'm at a point where I can, you know, I don't have to save every single dollar sometimes, but you know, it's, I've tried it and I've just had so many bad experiences with it. Um, I remember one time I booked a place in San Francisco uh, for a conference and it looked great in the pictures and all of that. And I show up down there, it's literally a dorm room where I'm sharing a bathroom Uh, with an entire floor. And I'm like, nope, no air conditioner, no nothing. And it's, I don't know. I just, I think... I, I guess I've never been able to shake the the feeling that they don't they don't check and make sure it's safe. And that is the number one important thing for me when I travel, if that makes sense. And you are right about that. Yeah. Uh, the other changes that they're implementing now are a guest guarantee where if the listing does not meet the stand accuracy standards as of December 15 this year, you will get all of your money back. Um And they're also uh, creating a hotline so that people can get in touch with Airbnb 24-7 to talk about problems. Um, And also, unfortunately, after a shooting happened at a house party around Halloween, uh, they are banning unauthorized house parties. Um, I'm not... I I guess that they're kind of looking into um, preventative uh, risk there, identifying suspicious reservations to stop parties before they start, which sounds like a lot, um, which probably another safety thing to get into predictive, uh, risk assessment, but that's a can of worms for another day. Um, anyway, like I said, to me, it feels like all of these are really common sense responses. They're good responses, but they're things that I would have hoped a platform that is frankly responsible for the safety of travelers going to unfamiliar places um, to some degree, I would have expected, I would have hoped, I would have hoped they would have done this sooner. Yeah, if nothing, if just for the cold um, clinical reason of avoiding legal liability, you'd Mm -hmm. think they would do that. And, uh, you know, Simone, tell me if I'm wrong here, but uh, it's hard for me not to see this in the wider context. Uh, you know, the the WeWork IPO fell to pieces. And obviously, WeWork is a very different um, company than Airbnb. Airbnb actually has income and profits uh, projected. Uh, but what it, it really strikes me as, you know, WeWork had their entire thing fall to pieces right before an IPO. And it's hard for me not to see this as like an 11th hour, oh my God, don't come in, don't regulate me, don't have a big FBI case, like prosecuting me. It just seems like an 11th hour move when they it, it should have been done a long time ago. And it, it's funny that you mention uh, the WeWork because one of the things that stood out to me as I was reading the letter from Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky uh, was this beautiful sentence, uh, which I sent to you over WhatsApp, but I'll read it for the listeners now. Quote, unquote, our real innovation is not allowing people to book a home. It's designing a framework to allow millions of people to trust one another. <laughs> And that to me is just like the most, it's the most WeWorky stuff since WeWork. Yeah. 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 I mean, I imagine them smoking up and writing that statement. And actually, I want to bring it back to, I guess, um, one of the comments from one of the people that Ali Conti talked to in her initial article um, 
said, quote unquote, the Airbnb is doing that hand wavy thing that tech companies do where they say, we can't solve this. If they wanted to solve it, they would figure it out. I yep. That I think really drives it into the realm of like, th- this is something, this is one of those problems that happens because of new technology that is encountering a human problem that was not predicted and then not responded to in a reasonable amount of time. How, how do you feel, I guess, about that kind of charge being lobbed over the net there? Sima, I, I realize this is a strong statement, but I, I feel like there is a, a moral rot at the center of the tech industry where we have, we've done that. You know, we place growth above everything else and then we run into these harder social problems and it just always seems to be, well, it's someone else's problem. Um, you know, you certainly see this with social media and Facebook. Um, you know, it has hugely detrimental consequences. Uh, there was a great piece in uh, Pace this week talking about how uh, Google's ad monopoly has uh, led to part of the journalistic conditions that led to deadspin happening and the dissolution there. So mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with that. And I've been saying this for a long time. We've got to start having more discussions about morality with the things we build because I've come to the conclusion a lot of the time we're making the world worse. And I think we're just not having an honest conversation about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Flatiron School. Ball is in the air, and kids aren't the only ones going back to school. At Flatiron School, students are parents, musicians, travelers, and working professionals from all walks of life. Learn software engineering, UX, UI design, or data science at Flatiron School in just 15 weeks and launch a new career with one-on-one support from their dedicated career coaches. Flatiron School stands behind their students with a money-back guarantee. Complete details are at flatironschool.com slash terms. Flatiron School's committed instructors have both industry and teaching experience and are backed by the master teachers and learning experience designers, yeah, to ensure you get the best possible support, whether you choose to learn on campus or online. This fall, pursue your passion and discover your potential. Go back to school with us. Get a head start with the free bootcamp prep course at flatironschool.com slash rocket. See you in class. Our thanks to Flatiron School for their support of this show. Can I say something about that? You yeah. know, I that's exactly how I learned that kind of online learning. Uh, it's it's I just think it's amazing, and yeah, you know, particularly for software engineering, you're always going to have to sit down and learn new APIs or frameworks or new programs. So, like, you're going to have to learn how to pick up that type of learning eventually. So, why not save a ton of money along the way rather than going and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in, uh, you know, in uh, college? I, I just think stuff like that is amazing. Well, speaking of. Hundreds of thousands of dollars? What are you doing this week? I don't know. I don't know. I am raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. Nice. Um, ser- seriously, we are, um, we're working so hard on fundraising uh, for this quarter. Um, for my campaign, we are really working on putting together a field program, meaning people out knocking on doors every single day of the week. There's only so much of it I can do before I will physically die. <laughs> so that is what we're doing. Um, we've got a, um, I, I'm part of some movie uh, called Netizens. Uh, I've got a screening with that tomorrow, I believe at Boston University. And uh, other than that, we are fundraising, knocking on doors and just doing all that political stuff. Cool. Well, this week, um, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm editing videos, I'm making a show, I am doing a lot of wonderful things, and then this weekend's going to come around and I'm going to do nothing. But what I did last week, um, I was a guest on an episode of the Spatter in Literary, Literary Podcast. I saw that, yeah. It was so much fun, Brie. Uh, we recorded, <laughs> I was so nervous because they're both like super smart. It's Sorry, let me back up. It's a book podcast about good books. Um, and they talk a lot about like the great works, quote unquote. I mean, it is about the great works of um, the literary canon. 
and the hosts are both super educated academics. Um, so I was so nervous to go on and talk about Hemingway and Immovable Feast. But uh, they were so kind and welcoming, and I said a lot. <laughs> oh, boy, did I talk a lot. Um, and that episode is available now at the Spouter Inn podcast. It is the B-side awesome. to their episode about the movable fe- a-, a movable feast. So go check that out. I think at some point we need to have like an episode of Rocket that's all about our favorite authors. Like for you, it's clearly Heinlein. I mean, uh, clearly uh, Hemingway. What a weird I, slip of the tongue. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't know. I have so many. I don't think I can name just one. So It's not Heinlein? I, I like Heinlein. He doesn't, he says a lot about human nature, but I think his work is ultimately pulp. I don't think it's the best stuff ever done. I think James S. A. Corey and the Expanse novels uh, have tremendous literary merit. Uh, He just whips off unbelievably beautiful prose and has so much to say about human nature. Um, I think he's probably the greatest contemporary writer, in my opinion. But we should we should have like a we should like fight it out on Rocket sometime. (laughs) We should. We should. (laughs) No, it's James S. A. Corey. Not Hemingway, who was a hack. <laughs> That'll be our April 1st episode one yes. year. Yes, I love or it. Or we can I talk about it. tech, but like the tech of the uh, mechanical press, <laughs> which was a game it. changer. We'd have to bring on Glenn Fleischman for that. The uh, oh, Yes. Who was like an expert on that. So, anyway. All right. Brie, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me online at Brianna Wu on Twitter, uh, developer Brianna Wu on uh, Facebook. And um, if you want to support my congressional campaign, I would deeply appreciate that. And you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and at youtube.com slash polygon. And soon at Quibi, whenever that may be. Um, hey, thanks for listening to this show. If you like it, please do consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend about it. Uh, come back next week, where, as Brianna said, we'll have the guys from Hard Drive Mag on. And then the week after that, Christina will be back to us and we'll hear all about her adventures in Orlando and Paris. Thanks so much, everyone. This episode of Rocket (laughs) is terminated. Terminated before the internet fails again. Terminated. Ah!